0: Well, good evening, everybody, and a very warm welcome to all of you. Thank you for joining us this evening. I'm delighted to see you. Um, I think I even have to say an official welcome to Canada, because people in Canada are seeing the service live streamed, which I think is a first for us at All Saints. Um, I have to say, in his absence, thank you to Tony Pooley of the High Street, who found the service sheet of the original service, uh, that happened in November 1919, almost a year to the day, uh, uh, hundred years to the day before our service this evening. And to David Jones, uh, who, with others from the Village History Society, was pivotal in encouraging us to hold this anniversary service and putting on an exhibition in the North Building. Perhaps I can say in advance that there is a sort of facsimile edition of the uh, original service that will be put in your hands on the way out. I want to express for all of us in anticipation our welcome to the choir who are poised to process in in a moment when the signal is given and our gratitude to uh, the choir and organist and music director of St. Catharines College, Cambridge. A hundred years ago, the then rector of All Saints was one Septimius Carr, and he was a fellow of St. Cath's, and the College had the patronage of All Saints, in other words, appointing its rector. Uh, The choir sang at the original service, and it's wonderful that they've joined us tonight at a busy time for them with services for the College's Patronal Festival and Advent Sunday uh, coming soon. So please, please express your thanks to them afterwards over refreshments in the North Building. I will just alert you to a notice sheet that I think has come your way uh, with information about things that are coming up. And there are little cards with details of Christmas things that we'd love you to take away with us. Also to say that one of the purposes of the original service was to collect money to contribute towards the County War Memorial, which now stands at the end of Station Road in Cambridge. And we will, in keeping with that collection, have a collection tonight. There is going to be, well, there is a a box on the table for a retiring collection with donations shared equally between the Royal British Legion and the Commonwealth War Graves Commission. I hope that the service sheet, we've got enough of them for sight of them just about amongst us, Um, and most of it will be apparent what is happening when from that sheet if you have it to hand, but I'd like to invite you to stand as we sing our first hymn this evening. Please would you be seated? Some opening sentences I am the resurrection and the life, saith the Lord. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Thou knowest, Lord, the secrets of our hearts. Shut not thy merciful ears to our prayer, but spare us, Lord most holy, O God most mighty, O holy and merciful Saviour, Thou most worthy judge eternal. Suffer us not at our last hour for any pains of death to fall from thee. Now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now we know in part, but then shall we know even as we are known. No man taketh my life from me, But I lay it down of myself, therefore doth my Father love me. We join together in a prayer of confession. Saying, O Almighty Father, Lord of heaven and earth, we confess that we have sinned against thee in thought, word, and deed. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, After thy great goodness, according to the multitude of thy mercies, do away our offenses. Wash us thoroughly from our wickedness and cleanse us from our sins. For Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. May the almighty and merciful Lord grant you pardon and remission of all your sins, time for true repentance Amendment of life and the grace and comfort of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, a collect often used at the consecration of graves in France. O Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, who as at this evening hour thyself didst rest in the sepulchre and didst thereby sanctify the grave to be a bed of hope to thy people. Make us so to abound in sorrow for our sins, which were the cause of thy passion, that when our bodies lie in the dust, our souls may live with thee, who livest and reignest with the Father and the Holy Ghost, one God, world without end. Amen. I've already referred to our purposes in gathering this evening. In a moment we will have the uh, roll of remembrance read out and we'll pause for um, an appropriate silence, a minute silence as we do so. We have added to the list of the original names from the First World War, those from the Second World War as well, and others buried in All Saints Church. You can see the names listed on the service sheet. So from the Great War, Arthur Edward Austin. Excuse me, I should ask you to stand, please. Please stand. From the Great War, Arthur Edward Austin, Richard Arthur Carter, Charles T. Cracknell, Walter Ernest Darley, Frederick William Driver, Jesse Godfrey, John Goodwin, William A. Harvey, Ernest Edward Meadows, Frederick Pearl, Sidney Charles Pearl, William Frederick Taylor, John Andrews, then from the Second World War, Dora Ellen Bailey, Victor George Frost. Mostyn William Oliver, Percy John Neves, Derek Arthur Pooley, Eric Edward Tabner, and those with official war graves also uh, in the churchyard. Selina Francis Burton Fanning, and Vernon Harcourt de MC, Devats Powell, MC. We remain standing for a minute's silence. I'd ask you, please, to be seated as David Jones reads from the Bible to us.
1: The lesson is from the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verses 1 to 7. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is athirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son.
0: reading from Paul's first epistle to the Thessalonians, chapter 4. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope, I'm now going to continue in prayer, and I invite you to uh, join me as we pray, as you pray silently as I lead, and then the choir will sing a closing amen. First, a collect for times of war, which would certainly have been familiar to people, and then a collect uh, for deliverance from said times of war. O Almighty God, King of all kings, and Governor of all things, whose power no creature is able to resist, to whom it belongeth justly to punish sinners, and to be merciful to them that truly repent, save and deliver us, we humbly beseech thee, from the hands of our enemies, abate their pride, assuage their malice, and confound their devices, that we, being armed with thy defense, may be preserved evermore from all perils, to glorify thee who art the only giver of all victory, through the merits of thy only Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O almighty God, who art a strong tower of defense unto thy servants against the face of their enemies, we yield thee praise and thanksgiving for our deliverance from those great and apparent dangers wherewith we were compassed. We acknowledge it thy goodness that we were not delivered over as a prey unto them, beseeching thee still to continue such thy mercies towards us that all the world may know that thou art our Savior and mighty Deliverer through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now, the two evening collects. O God, from whom all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works do proceed, give unto thy servants that peace which the world cannot give, that both our hearts may be set to obey thy commandments, and also that by thee we, being defended from the fear of our enemies, may pass our time in rest and quietness through the merits of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Lighten our darkness, we beseech thee, O Lord, and by thy great mercy, defend us from all perils and dangers of this night. For the love of thy only Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm pleased to sing our next hymn. Would you be seated? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. One of the phrases that I heard used as the centenary of the Great War was marked described the existence of thankful parishes. Those were the villages and towns which welcomed back from the war, safe and sound, everyone who had gone. And there's a chilling statistic which goes with that label. Only 50 thankful parishes in the entire UK. That must mean that the service which we're reenacting today must have been happening in nearly every village as parishes up and down the country set up memorials bearing the names of people who'd been to local schools, worked on local farms, were known by all their village, who had not come back. The Little Shelford uh, History site website gives a a link to the 1911 census that was taken, and you can actually put those names alongside the details of the census conducted in peacetime shortly before the war. I was intrigued to discover when I did that that three of the war dead had come from one set of houses in Little Shelford, the Terrace, which was really a footpath with a dozen or so houses on it. It was home for two brothers, Sidney Pearl, who died in April 1918, and Frederick Pearl, who died just a month later. And then, only a few weeks before the war was to end, Arthur Carter, from just a few doors away, died at the tender age of 19. So these were all under the age of 25, all ranked as privates, just regular Tommies, ordinary lives, cut short in a huge joint effort for the common good, snatched away within six months in 1918. So can you begin to imagine how it felt to gather only a year or so later to hear that list of names read out? I can completely understand why Psalm 121 was the psalm set for that service. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh even from the Lord, who hath made heaven and earth. It's termed a psalm of ascent, a mountain climber's psalm, which may well have been sung by pilgrims as they climbed the hills of Judah for the annual festivals of Mount Zion, Jerusalem. Their eyes would scan the hills with longing, heading for their spiritual home, and know as they did so that their real home lay above and beyond the age-old hills. My help cometh even from the Lord, Who hath made heaven and earth. So they know he is their real home, their true security, more unshakable than the huge deposits of rock under their feet when they finally got to Jerusalem. Don't just look to the hills, they would say, look to the one who made the hills. And then in the psalm, that refrain which comes again and again He that keepeth thee will not sleep. He that keepeth Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord himself is thy keeper, even he that shall keep thy soul. With the scars and suffering of five long years of war burned onto people's minds and hearts, I doubt anybody singing Psalm 121 a century ago imagined that God was promising his people would be exempt from evil What God was promising was that in the midst of evil, he would guard and protect those who trusted him, preserving them and saving them in the midst of evil and, of course, beyond the reach of evil in eternity. The psalm, I know, is spoken from the vantage point of faith. My help, the psalmist says, cometh even from the Lord. But I'm not surprised that many found that to be true in the war and turned to the Bible because it lifted their eyes to God. There are poignant stories I received during the anniversary years that were collected by the Bible Society of men recovered from shell holes who died with a New Testament in their hands. Think about it, what else could you do in one sense if you were alone, badly wounded, and knew you were going to meet your maker? One man I read about was called George Vinnell. In July 1915, he wrote to his parents explaining how he had survived an artillery attack. And he enclosed a shrapnel bullet and his Bible with a bullet-sized hole in it. Soldiers often carried their Bible um, in their breast pocket. And for George Vinnell, the bullet had come to halt at... It seems, Isaiah 49, verse 8, which says, I will preserve thee. So he wrote to his rather stunned parents, may this be true of future days, until I see you all again, is my heartfelt prayer. He survived and went on to work for the Bible Society, giving out scripture to others. Now, of course, plenty of other believers didn't make it through the war. One I read about was called Albert Penn, He was newly married to Florence during the war. He should have been embarking on the happiest time in his life, I guess. Florence fell pregnant, and the two of them, keen Sunday school teachers, were settled in the village of Hasland near Chesterfield with their lives focused around their home and their little chapel. Well, Albert volunteered in 1916, but he was refused because Florence was pregnant. They told him to come back and enlist when his child was three months old, which he duly did. And eight months later, when little baby Mary Astor was not quite one year old, he died at Passchendaele. His body never found, but the last recorded sighting of Albert was of him standing in an open field, Bible in hand, talking to others. Albert's granddaughter, Cynthia Hardiman put it well when she said, I like to think that in that terrible time, he didn't keep the faith. The faith kept him. Or we might say, with this psalm before us, the Lord kept him. It seems to me it's good to put those two personal stories alongside each other. One praying person delivered in this life, one person who didn't have that miraculous protection who died but who had a fixed point even in the suffering and hell of warfare and both of them kept by God. On what basis do I dare say that? After all, soldiers and others have asked, how could God allow such suffering and misery? But of course there is a sense in which the suffering was, in all honesty, self-inflicted. It was human being pitted against fellow human So those well-known battlefields, Gallipoli, Ypres, the Somme, Passchendaele, they show us humanity at its darkest and worst. they They don't show a light on God, it seems to me. The artist Boardman Robinson published in 1916 a cartoon depicting Jesus with his back against the wall facing a firing squad made up of soldiers wearing uniforms from five different European countries. It's a striking image. Jesus Christ was the most loving human being who ever lived. And World War One appeared to the artist to be humanity rejecting that love. I wonder if you're willing to be honest and admit that we are part of the humanity that per- perpetrated the atrocities of World War I and indeed every other war. And the Bible would say that Jesus, when he was crucified, took on himself all the darkness of this world. There was a young man who faced unimaginably awful atrocity and suffering his suffering even worse than anything experienced in trench warfare if we were to understand the full extent of it because he was paying for others' sins the wickedness of war crimes indeed all the everyday sins of our lives forsaken by his father in heaven so that we can be forgiven and never forsaken and then if the witness of the Bible is to be believed and I for one am persuaded of that conquering the grave and opening that perfect world beyond to us and that was how believers held on to hope in the hell of world war one and if we will only put our lives and our destinies into his hands we too will be able to say with the psalmist my help cometh even from the lord can I politely suggest that that is perhaps the best way to honour the men and women we remember today, to ask for and receive from Jesus the forgiveness and the fresh start that he died to give us. And don't we need the power of forgiveness to work in our world today? Ask Jesus Christ to start with you so you can know for yourself God's help to make a difference in our village and our world and then to live on a different plane altogether in eternity. Amen. We have another hymn to sing. We stand to sing this lovely hymn together. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among us and remain with us always. Amen.